Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talaya Dindi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talaya Dindi, and our very special guest today is Terry Tucker. I am so excited for you guys to hear Terry's story. This man has a very extensive background. I can't wait for you to hear all about it. Terry has been an NCAA Division I college basketball player, a Citadel cadet, a marketing executive, a hospital administrator, an undercover narcotics investigator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker, an author, and most recently, a cancer warrior. He is the author of Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Living Your Uncommon and and Extraordinary Life. Terry started the website Motivational Check to help others find and lead their uncommon and extraordinary lives. Welcome so much, Terry. Thank you, Slay. I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks for joining us. I cannot wait for everyone to hear about your experience in your career as well as with cancer. So why don't we get started, Terry, with you just giving us a little bit about your background and we'll kind of just take it from there. Sure, I'll, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version <laughs> of, of my life, if that's possible, with as many jobs as I've had. Uh, I was born and raised in Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from looking at me or from, from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I played college basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, despite having three knee surgeries in high school. And when I graduated from college, I moved home to find a job. I'm, I'm really going to date myself now, but this was long before the internet was available for, uh-huh. for finding a job. And I was the, the first person in my family to graduate from college. And I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And you know, I look back now and realize kind of what a knucklehead I was to think I knew anything about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain, uh, in their marketing department. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. You talked a little bit about my professional experience, so I'll I'll leave that uh, as it is. But in, in you know, just to kind of round this out, my wife and I have been married for almost 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is wow. a lieutenant in the new branch of the military that we created a few years ago, the uh, the United States Space Force. 
So that's kind of me in a nutshell. That sounds exciting. So Terry, can you please describe your nine-year battle with cancer? Sure. So 2012, I was a girls high school basketball coach uh, down in Texas, and I had a callus that broke open on the bottom of my left foot right below my third toe. And being a coach, I, I really didn't give it a lot of thought initially because you're on your feet quite a bit. But after a few weeks of it not healing, I went to see a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine, and he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you have a cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he did. And he showed it to me. It was just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it. And he said, doesn't look at, you know, like there's anything to be concerned about, but I'll send it off to pathology anyway. Two weeks later, I get a call from him. And as I said, he'd been a friend of mine. So the more difficulty he was having telling me what was going on, obviously, the more frightened I was becoming until finally he just laid it out. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen this form of cancer. You have a rare form of melanoma. Most of us think of melanoma as kind of a skin disease we're out in the sun too much and things like that. But there's a rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And that's what I had. And he said, I would recommend that you go to MD Anderson in Houston and be treated. And so that's what I did. And I had uh, one surgery to remove the tumor in, in the bottom of my foot. And then I had another surgery to remove all the lymph nodes in my groin. And when I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon. And basically what interferon did for me in terms of side effects was it gave me the flu for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And that was not to cure the disease. That was just, as my oncologist said, uh, we're going to try to kick the can down the road, try to keep the disease from coming back. Uh, eventually, the drug became so toxic to my body that I ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which usually is not compatible with being alive. But I was fortunate and was at a level one trauma center, and they were able to stabilize me before they got me to the ICU. That was 2017. Uh, 2018, the disease came back, and I had my left foot amputated. 2019, I had uh, two more surgeries when the disease came back in my shin. And then last year, 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, um, a an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle grew large enough that it uh, fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And further testing found out my entire lower leg was full of cancer. So in April of 2020, I had my left leg amputated above the knee. And then I also found out I have tumors in my lungs, which I am currently undergoing a clinical trial drug to deal with those tumors. So that on that uplifting note of my nine-year battle with cancer, yes. that's what I've experienced. Wow, Terry. And you know, I just want to say through all of that, your energy your level of enthusiasm, your, I can just feel the hope coming from you. I, I, I'm just at a loss for words at how you are just shining through all of this and you're, you're getting out there and you're sharing your story and your message with everyone. Can you please tell us 
the specific type of melanoma that you have been diagnosed with? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do my best because a lot of it is Latin words that are much <laughs> larger than I can usually pronounce, but it's, it's acrolitiginous malignant melanoma. Okay, all right. And you said that's typically found in the palms of your hands and, and feet, correct? The, the palms of your hands, uh, or yeah, the palms of your hands and, and the bottom of your feet, they um, also, there, there's another type of melanoma that appears in your nail beds. So in your fingernails or your toenails, that's usually been lumped in with acrolitiginous. From what I understand now, they're kind of getting ready to kind of pull that out and make it its own form of melanoma. And, and then there's, there's even a rarer form of melanoma that appears in the mucous membrane. So in, in your nose or your mouth or something like that. So it, it's all melanoma. It's just how it presents and where it presents. Thank you for sharing that and breaking that down for the listeners. Terry, through everything that you've been through in the last nine years, have you had a point in your life where you felt helpless or hopeless? Many times. I, I, I guess I, I, you know, I'm, I'll probably talk a lot today about, you know, being positive and things like that. But I, I guess I want your listeners to understand that, you know, there's no S on my chest. I don't wear a cape and fly around with magical powers. I mean, I am a human being just like everybody else. I have I have bad days, you know, I cry, I get down, I get depressed and things like that. Um, we're all going to experience pain in our lives. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain like mine or, or a terminal or, or a chronic illness. I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, you flunk a test at school or you, you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, you don't get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, that's optional. That's what you do with that pain. You know, do you take it and use it to make you stronger and tougher and more determined? Or do you wallow in it and, you know, feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? Now, yeah, I, do I get in those positions? Absolutely, I do. I, I'm a human being. I, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I have all the feelings and, and I get scared and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I just choose not to stay there. I just choose to use that pain, to use that suffering to make me stronger, to make me tougher, to make me more determined. And, you know, if you think about it, our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. So to the brain, you know, any kind of a status quo, you know, things are good right now, don't mess with it, you're good. But if you think our brains know our fears, they know our, it knows our vulnerabilities and it knows our weaknesses. And it's going to use those against us anytime we want to step outside of the status quo. But here's the problem. The only way we're going to grow in life in any way whatsoever is to get out of our comfort zones, you know, to do things that scare us. And I mean, cancer has scared me a million times. But I remember reading uh, <clears throat> an article about a study that was done at Johns Hopkins University back in the 1950s. And this, this person took rats and he put rats in water to see how long they could tread water before they, they would drown, before they would sink. And just before they, they would drown, somebody would grab them out of the water, dry them off and put them back, uh, you know, let them rest for a while. Now, most of the rats took about 15 minutes before 
they had exhausted themselves and didn't think that they could go on anymore and started to sink. And that's when they got pulled out of the water. Now, the second time this professor did that, he put them in the same water under the same circumstances. And the majority of the rats, excuse me, the majority of the rats treaded water for 60 hours. Now, wow. you think, wait a minute. Now, they treaded red 15 minutes is all that. But I think that to me says two things. The importance of hope, because these rats knew that, you know, the first time, hey, they were just about ready to dry out, drown, but somebody grabbed them, somebody pulled them out, somebody dried them off and said, you know, hey, rest, relax for a while before we put you back in the tank. So the importance of hope in, our, in, all, in all our lives. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of that is just how much our bodies can handle you know, before they actually give out. And, and we all get to the point where we're like, you know what, I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore. I can't. But if you think about that, you are really only at a very small fraction of what your body can handle. There, there's a former Navy SEAL by the name of David Goggins who talks about the 40% rule. And what, what, they, what that says is that if you think you're, you're at the end of your rope, that you can't go on, you can't take another step, you're only at 40% of your maximum and you 60% left to give, you know, to yourself. And I remember one time after I had, before I had my foot amputated, I was put on a, um, a biologic therapy that did nothing to the cancer, but would hopefully rev up my immune system to recognize it and attack it. It, mm -hmm. it didn't work for me, but what I had all kinds of side effects from it including thinking, waking up in the middle of the night, thinking I was having a heart attack, get rushed to the ER by my wife, and I'm laying there. And I remember looking at my wife and with, literally with tears coming down my cheeks, and I just begged her to let me die. I'm just like, you know what? I need to get out of this body that appears to be continually attacking me. And it was at that moment that I remembered reading the article about David Goggins and about the 40% rule. And I just ended up going inside and it was like, you know, no, you still have so much more left to give to yourself. You may think you're done, but you're not anywhere close to actually being done. That's right. And it's, it's all about the mindset and it's all about keeping that hope and faith. I, I agree with everything that you said. And I can honestly say, Terry, there has not been a time where pain has not allowed me to grow. And we don't like to experience it, but that's when the magic happens, unfortunately. It, it forces us out of our comfort zones. And so mindset is everything and audience, keep in mind that 40% rule. Thank you for touching on all those wonderful points, Terry. So what do you believe your purpose in life is? So I think now it's different than what it was. You know, if, if you look at my my job history, so to speak, and and I guess I, I, I should qualify this, that I don't think your job has to be your purpose. You know, your, your job can be what you do to pay the bills, but your purpose is to write or to play an instrument or to volunteer or whatever that whatever you find your purpose to be in life. I think now my purpose is to put as much goodness, as much positivity, as much love back into the world as I possibly can with whatever time 
that I have left. So I think initially my purpose in life was to be in law enforcement, to be honest with Mm -hmm. you. If you look at my resume, my first two jobs were in business. And that's because my dad in the law enforcement, but he was very much opposed to that because his father was a Chicago police officer uh, from 1924 to 1954 and was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. Now, he doesn't remember this, but stories my grandmother, his mother told him about the knock on the door of Mrs. Tucker, please grab your son. Your husband's been shot and come with us. So he wanted me to have absolutely nothing to do with law enforcement whatsoever. But as I said, he was sick. But what might me to do was to go into business, you know, get a degree in business, go to college, major in business. That was what my dad wanted me to do. That wasn't what my purpose was. So I waited until he passed away until I pursued being in law enforcement. Now, that was what I thought I was supposed to do then when I was in my 30s. Now that I'm in my 60s, I really feel that my purpose now is to put as much goodness, as much love, as much positivity back into the world by just telling my story and hopefully making a difference in in other people's lives. I believe that you're fulfilling your purpose um, because just by me reading your story prior to us talking here today, I was very inspired. And it really made me look at the things that I have been through in my life so far and think, you know, that really wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And just reading your story and getting that constant reminder about staying positive and not allowing the suffering to consume you, but use it for good. So you are fulfilling your purpose. I I definitely want to tell you that. Terry, what has been the common denominator that has helped you overcome these various traumas that you've faced in your life? I think uh, a couple of things. the, The first one would be what I call the three F's, which were faith, family, and friends. And I have a very strong faith in God. I I really feel that I am here because he still wants me to be here. I I saw my my CAT scan uh, photographs from back in 2020. And and I I have no medical background, but I kind of know what's supposed to be where and what's not supposed to be there. Looking at that and asking my oncologist, you know, looking at these pictures of my lungs, how was I still alive? And he was like, I have no idea. And, you know, that said to me was God's not done with me yet. So those are three things, faith, family and friends that I actually rely on quite a bit. But the other thing that I rely on is what I call my four truths. Mm -hmm. And and I'll give those to you. I have them on a a posted note right here in front of me. I see them multiple times every day. And the first one is you need to control your mind or it will control you. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. The second one is you need to embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual. The third one is more of a legacy truth. And it's this, it's what we leave behind is what we weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth one is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. 
Now, you know, my pain is going to end someday, may end through medication, may end through surgery, quite frankly, it may end when I die. But if I quit, if I give up, if I give in to pain, then pain will always be a part of my life. So instead of running from that pain, I just take it and use it. I, I burn it as fuel or use it as energy to make me a stronger individual. And again, that is so counterintuitive to what our brains want. Our brains want to get away from pain, but I've learned to use that pain to make me stronger. And no matter how much you give me, I'll be ready to take more from you. Now, I also want your audience to understand that everybody has a breaking point. There's, there's nobody who can just take constant, constant, constant pain forever. It, it, it's just physically not, humanly not possible. So I don't want your, I, I don't want anybody out there thinking, you know, that, hey, I can do this and I can do this forever. You, you can. Eventually your body's going to wear down and things like that. But your mind, your mind, on the other hand, doesn't have to wear down. But physically, your body is going to wear down. And I want people to realize that and understand that when that happens, that's okay. That, that, that doesn't mean you're, you're not strong. That doesn't mean you know, you're not trying to move forward. It just means that there's a certain point where all our bodies break down. Absolutely. I agree <clears throat> with that. How did you come up with the four truths? That's a great question. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there, there are just things... That I've that I've learned over the years, that um, like the control your mind part, part. When I was in high school, I had three knee surgeries, and when I came back playing basketball after that, my brain was putting all this negative garbage in my head. It was, you know, hey, you know, you're probably a step slower, or coaches aren't going to want to recruit you because of these surgeries, and yet I knew I was still playing at an elite level. And I knew that coaches were still contacting me about potentially playing for them in college. So I had my brain saying all this negative stuff. And I knew that that was not true. And I think the, the, the most important part of this is realizing that these thoughts are there. These thoughts are coming into your mind. I, I read somewhere that we have about 70,000 thoughts. It's a very important for you to realize that, hey, I got this negative thought here. And then let's flip that switch and say, no, I'm still playing at an elite level and coaches are still reaching out, being interested in having me play for them in college. So you need to just flip the switch. You need to, you know, use your brain. If you think about it, our brains hold one thought at a time. Why would you want to make that a negative thought? Why wouldn't you want to make that something positive to benefit you? So, you know, it's like whatever that negative thought is, it's like, Oh, yeah, you got cancer, you're probably going to die. Well, mm -hmm. okay, you know what? Who cares? I mean, we're all going to die. When I had my, uh, my leg amputated, my wife and I went to the funeral home. We went to the, more, uh, to the uh, cemetery. We went to the church. We planned our entire funerals. And I got some brushback from that from some people that were like, ooh, you know, that, that's kind of negative, don't you think? And I'm like, no, well, last time I checked, everybody's going to die. I mean, I don't think anybody's working on a cure for life right now. So, you know, I, I, I was like, no, I don't think that's negative. Everybody's going to die, but not everybody's going to live. And if you live your life, I, I can promise you if, you, if you find your purpose and you live that purpose, 
death will not be nearly as scary and you'll have a whole lot more peace when you get to that point. I love that everyone is not going to live. That is such a profound statement. Everyone is not going to live. Wow. And I agree. Why be afraid of death? Just plan for it. Make it easier for yourself and your loved ones that you will be leaving behind. Then they can really celebrate you and really grieve in the way that they need to for them. So that's those are all great points. There, there was a Native American Blackfoot proverb that I heard years ago that I absolutely love that that I'd like to share with you. And it, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want to happen. I agree. I agree. I love that. I, I would really love to have that happen for all of us, you know, when our time has come. There's one thing I want to circle back around to that really stuck with me when you were talking about flipping the switch. Do you believe that the career transitions that you've made have made it easier for you to flip the switch or has that kind of mindset been birthed out of a need for you to be able to be able to ad adapt and adjust to the different changes that you've had in your life? I think I learned early, like, you know, my first knee surgery was around 14 or 15 learning to flip that switch of the, of the need to take the negative, turn it into something positive and, and put that in your brain and not focus on, on, on all this negative. But I think as, as I've lived my life and certainly with cancer, there's a lot of um, different things that come at you at different times. And, you know, it's all how you want to approach it. Do you take and, and want to hold on to the handle of hope and faith or do you want to hold on to the handle of fear and misery? And, and that's up to you. I choose to hold on to the, the handle of hope and faith. I, I'm not in control of this. You know, and, that, and that's another thing. I, I always sort of kid, you know, people ask me about dying. I'm like, you know, dying way above my pay grade. You know, nobody pays me enough money to figure out when I'm going to die. So I, I don't spend a lot of time worrying that, about that. I spend more time worrying about how I'm going to live. You know, what is my purpose on this earth, living that purpose so that when death comes, it's not so scary. And so, as I mentioned earlier, you have written a book, Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extra Extraordinary Life. What inspired you to write this book, Terry? So the book was really... Um, born out of two stories. One was with a former basketball player who moved to Colorado where my wife and I live. And we had had dinner with her and her fiance. And I remember saying to her, you know, I'm really excited you're living close. Watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And she looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about finding the reason God put you on the face of this earth, and then living that purpose. I was with a young man who connected with me on LinkedIn, and he wanted to know what I thought were the most important things that he should know to not only be successful in his, in his job or in business, but in life. 
And I didn't want to give them the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others kind of stuff. That Not that those aren't important. Those are incredibly important. But I wanted to give him something that, if I could, that went deeper, that kind of went into his soul. So I thought about it for a while. And I wrote a bunch of notes. And then I had these 10 principles, these 10 ideas. And so I sent them to him. And then I sort of stepped back. I've got a life story that fits under this principle, or I know somebody's life who emulates this principle. So literally, I had my leg amputated in April of 2020, started chemotherapy for the tumors in my lungs in June of 2020. And during that three-month period where I was healing, I sat down at the computer every day, and I basically built stories underneath each of the principles and that's how sustainable excellence came to be. That is wonderful. And what an inspiration you are, Terry, to myself and so many other people out there. And what has what is uncommon and ex, ex, what <clears throat> is uncommon and extraordinary in your life? Besides what you've already told us, <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? I, you know, I, I certainly my my family I'll tell the story about when uh, I had my second surgery, uh, I had all the lymph nodes removed from my groin at MD Anderson. I had, I had 40 staples that ran from kind of my thigh up through my groin and into my lower abdomen. And when I was released from the hospital, I, I was offered pain medication and I, I don't like to take medication if I don't have to. So I refused it. And that, that was a huge mistake on my part. Because when we got home, I had to navigate the three steps from the garage into the house, which I did without any problem. But then I had to navigate seven steps to a landing and then another seven steps to get upstairs to the bedroom. And when I got to the landing, I was in so much pain. My, my groin felt like somebody had lit a match and it was just on fire. Mm -hmm. And I told my, my wife and daughter, I'm like, I can't do this. I got to sit down. I got to rest. My daughter was 15 at the time. And she knew that, you know, I was six foot eight, I was 240 pounds. She's like, if wow. you sit down, we're never going to get you up. So literally, she grabbed my shirt from the front, and my wife pushed from the back, and they got me up those seven steps. Wow. And I tell that story because I think it's important for us to ask this question. Who in your life is pushing or pulling you towards your goals? Or maybe, maybe more importantly, who are you pushing or pulling towards your goal, towards their goals? You know, my family was incredibly important to me. And if they had not recognized that sitting down for me was not the option, that you needed to keep moving forward, you know, who knows what it would have taken, you know, maybe a call to the fire department to, hey, you know, help my dad upstairs kind of thing. But I think that's real important to, you know, who are we pushing and pulling or who is pushing and pulling? us in our life to whatever our goals, <clears throat> incredibly important. So, so my family has been, has been great. I, I also tell the story, you know, when I had the tumors in my lungs, my doctor wanted to start me on chemotherapy. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that, mm -hmm. but I'll go home and I'll talk to my family. And it's just the three of us. My daughter immediately is like, all right, we need a family meeting. I'm like, family meeting? There's three <laughs> of us. You know, what, what, what do you mean we need a family meeting? So we, we sit around the kitchen table and we, each tell our story. And then my daughter's like, all right, let's have a vote. How many people want dad to have chemotherapy? 
And my wife and my daughter raised their hand. And I'm like, how did I get outvoted in this, you know, <clears throat> in this situation? And I mean, it's kind of a funny story. It really kind of mm -hmm. happened like that. So I ended up taking chemotherapy. And, and I remember back to the police academy when our defensive tactics instructor used to make us bring a photograph of the people we love the most to class. And we would look at that photograph as we trained on different techniques to keep ourselves safe and alive out on the street, because he reasoned that you will fight harder for the people you love than you will fight for yourself. And, and I always remembered that. And, you know, yes, I am doing this clinical trial, which is really, really hard on me, really kind of beating me up physically. Yes, I want, I hope that it helps me. But this is something that's bigger than me. This is something that maybe 10 years from now, the doctors will develop a drug <coughs> that maybe can save somebody else's life. I may not be here, but I will have had some small aspect of that. And, you know, that's one thing team sports has always taught me that, you know, when you're part of a team, if you don't do your job, not only are you letting yourself down, but you're letting your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, your parents down. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is the game of life. Yes. And, and, you know, and there's a lot of talk these days, especially among young kids about, you know, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about you. It's about us and what yes. we can do together collectively, because individually we can't do anything, but collectively we can come together and we can accomplish anything that we set our minds to. In your life that are pushing or pulling you. And so that is so important. Please tell us about your website, Motivational Check. So Motivational Check was, again, another police academy thing where <laughs> whenever we were getting tired or frustrated or we didn't think we could go on, we could just yell out Motivational Check and the rest of the class would respond number 84 just to let the person know, hey, you're not you're not alone. You know, you're, you, we're here with you. We're hurting. We're all suffering together, but we will get through this together. So when I was looking for uh, a name for my blog and I, and I put up a daily thought for the day, I put up the Monday morning motivational message. I put up different, um, you know, videos and stories and things like that, just to get people a quick hit of inspiration or motivation. I came, that's how motivational check came to be. And that's, that's kind of all things Terry Tucker. You can get to my <laughs> social media sites there. You can get, you can leave me a note. You can get access to my book there. Again, I've got recommendations on books to read, videos to watch, and things like that. So that's kind of how Motivational Check came to be. And I want to tell you, audience, it is a great blog and website. If you're looking for information, if you're just looking for encouragement or inspiration, visit motivationalcheck, that's one word, dot com. You will find a lot of great supportive and informative um, information there. So make sure you check that out. Terry, before we wrap up, I always like to ask all of my guests these two questions. The first question is, <clears throat> is there anything in life that you've learned besides all the wonderful nuggets that you've already given us that you would like to share with the audience? Sure, let me, let me leave you with this story. In the movie Tombstone came out. And it starred uh, Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday. 
and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters for the movie, but they're two, certainly two men who are diametrically opposed. Wyatt had been a lawman his entire life, and they called Doc Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but he was pretty much a, gar- a gunslinger and a card shark. But somehow these two men formed this very close friendship, this very tight bond. And at the end of the movie, Doc is dying at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And Wyatt is destitute at this point. He has no money, he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to visit uh, Doc and the two men play cards to pass the time. And they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, I was in love with my cousin when I was younger, but she joined a convent over the affair, but she's all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life (laughs) and get on with living yours. You and I both know probably people who are just sitting back waiting. You know, if this happens, I have a normal life. If that happens, I'll have a successful life. If this happens, I'll have an influential life. Don't wait on life to come to you. Get out there, find out what your purpose is in life and live that purpose. Because I promise you, as I said before, if you do, two things are going to happen. You're going to have a whole lot more happiness in your life and you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your life as well. I can agree with that 100%. When you find your purpose, it makes all the difference in your life and in the world. And so, Terry, my second question is, what is next for you? That's a great question. I, you know, I, when I wrote Sustainable Excellence, it's a book about success. You and I, you know, you're, you're successful at your job or whatever you do in life. I'm successful at whatever I do in life. But I think I might have missed the mark. I think there's enough, if I write another book and I'm thinking about doing that, I want to put an emphasis on another word that begins with S and that's significance. Success is what we do for each other. You know, you're successful at what you do. I'm successful at what I do. Significance is what we do for other people. You know, I think you can be both. I think you can be successful and significant in life. But I, I think the emphasis, at least at this point in my life, I want it to be more on being significant and less on being successful. And it's that distinction is so important because significance, I believe, is what really gets us up every day. Because significance, in a way, to me, is tied to my purpose. And so getting up every day, doing what I do to help people, you getting up every day, doing what you do to help people, that's all part of what we're here to do. So I hope that you write that book. I I can't wait to read it. And I know that it will touch everyone who has an opportunity to read it. And so, Terry, I want to thank you so much again for being here with us today and for your time. Before we leave, if there are people that would like to connect with you and learn more, where can they find you? I I think the simplest way is just to go to motivationalcheck.com and social media sites and things like that. So motivationalcheck.com should get you there. Great. And I will include that information in the listen notes as well so that the audience will be able to find it. Again, Terry, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you today. 
you are such an inspiration to myself. And I know the listeners out there will feel the same way. I want to give a shout out to the listeners before we end today. Thank you so much for joining us. That's it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. I hope this episode filled you with hope, inspiration, and information. If you enjoyed the content and found it helpful, please leave a review, rating, and subscribe to the show. It will help others find us so we can share this very important information. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate your support and join us for the next episode. Until then, let's keep navigating cancer together. Thank you.